Hi, this is Timothy Pig, and I want to welcome you to Text Driven Podcast, a podcast put out by the Ministry of Fellowship Church in Southwest Florida. Text Driven Podcast exists to equip you to know God and make Him known through text driven preaching and practice. To learn more about Fellowship Church, visit our website, fellowshipchurch.co. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Texture Driven Podcast, where we are hoping to provide you with resources that will help you to live a text-driven life. That is a life that reflects uh, God's Word and is a life that is lived to the glory of God. That's something we all should be aspiring to do as Christians, is live our lives in such a manner that it glorifies the Lord, it makes much of God in every way. So hopefully these episodes are doing that for you. If this is your first time listening, let me just say thank you so much for listening to the Texture Podcast. We appreciate it. I encourage you to like this podcast as well as share it on your social media accounts uh, so that more people can learn how to live a text-driven life also. Our current series is walking through a brand new book by Eric Metaxas entitled Letter to the American Church. And in this book, Metaxas compares uh, the life of Bonhoeffer and what he was attempting to do in Germany with the German church to what is happening today. Uh, Metaxas makes this assumption and seeks to prove it throughout the book, that the apathetic stance of the German church to the rise of Adolf Hitler is no different than the evangelical church in America with the rise of the evil that is happening all around us. And really what Metaxas is attempting to do in the book is to call out from among the evangelical church those who will have a prophetic voice and speak about the atrocities that are occurring in our country. Now, it is certainly true that in our own country, in the United States, there are some gross sins that are occurring. Uh, One that uh, sits at the top of the list in its grotesque nature is the approval of the sin of abortion. Now, while uh, Roe v. Wade has been overturned in our country, we do still have many within politics pushing to change that ruling by the Supreme Court. And though Roe v. Wade has simply just made the decision of abortion left up into each individual state, there are still states that are strongly pro-choice and are strongly in favor of the unjust slaughter of millions of little children in their mother's womb. That atrocity alone should be something that would cause the church to stand up and to speak out. But unfortunately today, uh, many do not find it politically expedient or even church growth expedient for them to speak out about such evils in our culture. So what Metaxas is showing is that to not speak out is also evil in and of itself. To not engage 
is to actually engage on the opposite side of the issue. So what I want to do in this episode is I want us to look at the chapter that uh, is entitled, Be Ye Not Political. We're going to look at chapter 11, uh, 12, and if we get there, possibly uh, chapter 13 in this episode. And in chapter 11, Bonhoeffer begins with a lengthy quote from Romans chapter 13. So I want to read that passage to you and let that passage serve as the framework for what we're going to discuss in today's episode. So in Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7, God's word says this, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. Now, these seven verses that Paul writes to the Church of Rome is exhorting them to obey governing authorities. And in this concept of obeying governing authorities, it has been used in our current culture to say that it is sinful to oppose government. That if government is making a decision, that it is the responsibility of Christians to simply cower to that authority of the government and follow what the government has to say. So that raises a question, though. What do we do as Christians when the government does something that directly violates our biblical convictions? For instance, uh, just recently, uh, there is conversation among our government for passing an act called the Respect for Marriage Act. Uh, this act, if it is passed and uh, accepted, would be the definition that the government is stating for what marriage is and is not. And government is stating in this act that marriage is not but only between a man and a woman. But instead, marriage can be defined in a host of ways. Man and a man. 
woman and a woman, a man with multiple women. So not only is homosexuality being accepted as a definition for marriage, also polygamy is going to be accepted as a governmental definition of marriage. Well, that begs this question. Does the government have the authority by God to define marriage? Is that within the purview of the responsibilities of government? Well, I think if we look at Romans 13, 1 through 7, we do not find a governmental mandate for defining marriage. Instead, we find the governmental mandate to be that government is responsible for punishing those things that are evil and for not punishing those who do good. That's why the text says, if you do good, you have no reason to fear the government. But if you do bad, then you should fear the government because the government is a minister of God for the purpose of maintaining law and order. The government is a servant of God for adjudicating the law of God, what is right and what is wrong. Well, clearly in the defense for uh Marriage Act, the Respect for Marriage Act that is being looked at in our current government here in 2022, November of 22, that act is against the law of God. Therefore, those of us who are born-again evangelical believers have a responsibility to speak out against that. When government makes a law Contrary to the law of God, those who are Christians should point out that mishap, should point out that wrong, and seek a course correction. Now, one of the things that Bonhoeffer does in chapter 11 is he asks a very important question. He said that during the time of the rise of Adolf Hitler, the German church struggled with this idea. Because you have to understand, religion and nation were very intertwined during the early 20th century, especially in Germany. The Lutheran church and the the state were very intertwined together. And In our country, we had that separation of church and state, but we also have this idea of being a Christian nation. And on page 98, listen to this quote. He said, Indeed, the world gasps to this day as it struggles to take in, now listen to the question, how it is possible that a nation ostensibly Christian, could have in any way allowed such things to take place. So let's take the uh, issue of abortion. How could a nation 
that is ostensibly Christian have allowed for something like abortion or the redefinition of marriage or uh, the ill treatment of certain people based on their skin color? How could a nation that is ostensibly Christian have allowed for those types of things to take place? I think that's an honest question and one that we need to consider. The only way a nation that is ostensibly Christian could allow for something like that to occur is if one of two things happen. Number one, those who are Christians fail to speak out when the ones who are not Christians brought in ideologies and brought in ideas and laws that directly violated what the Word of God says. So the first way a nation that is ostensibly Christian becomes victim to all of these atrocities of sin occurring within its country is if the Christian has remained silent when those things were occurring. The second way that a nation that is ostensibly Christian allows for grotesque things like abortion and homosexual marriage and um, inequalities and injustices to occur is if what they defined as Christian wasn't really biblical Christianity. What if the idea of Christianity looked more like social moralism than it did biblical transformation? What if the gospel that was being preached was a gospel that was simply to help the already good person become better? What if the gospel that was being preached was a gospel that was more about social help, social justice, than actually teaching biblical justice, of which there is a person who is right and a person who is wrong? What if the gospel that was preached was not a biblical gospel? Well, if either of those two things take place, Christians are silent, or the Christianity that is of the nation is not biblical Christianity, if either of those two things take place, the result is going to be a nation that does not reflect the goodness, the righteousness, the justice, and the holiness of God. So how then does a nation that has already walked down such a destructive path change? Well, that's the question that is asked implicitly in chapter 12. In chapter 12 of Bonhoeffer's book, he entitles it, Who Do You Say 
God is. And he quotes Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12, that says, We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. So how do you change a nation that has lost its moral compass? How do you change a nation back to upholding biblical justice, biblical righteousness, and seeking God? The only way to do so is for a sweeping movement of revival among Christians. A revival that happens when the Spirit of God gets control of the heart of the believer. And the believer surrenders every single day and allows the Lord to and the Spirit of God to live in them, for them, and through them. And when the Spirit of God begins to live in you, for you, and through you, though you do not know what to do at times, your eyes will remain fixed only on God. You see, the problem in our current day is that our eyes are not on the Lord. Our eyes are on growing the church. Our eyes are on being acceptable to our neighbor. Our eyes are on not being canceled by the culture. Our eyes need to be on the Lord. And when we put our eyes on God, we can expect to happen to us the same thing that happened to the heroes of faith and to our Lord Jesus. And what was that that happened to the heroes of faith and our Lord? Persecution. Paul writes in one of his epistles that all who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That is an inevitability. But a person who is swimming upstream to the cultural filth that is flowing downstream, they will be persecuted. Now you might be sitting there thinking, Pastor Tim, I, I don't want to be persecuted. I don't want to endure hardship. I don't want to suffer. Before you decide to remain silent, let me encourage you with what Scripture says in Matthew chapter 5. And before I read this passage, let me ask you a question to ponder. Here's the question. Would you like God to bless you? Would you like to be described from God's perspective as being a blessed Christian? So, number one, would you like God to bless you? And number two, would you like God to describe you as one who is blessed? I think everyone would say yes to both of those. Well, if that's the case, then listen very carefully to what Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12 have to say. Blessed 
are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You notice the scripture tells us that those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake are blessed. Those who are reviled, those who have people utter evil against them, are blessed. And that because we are in this position of being blessed through persecution, we are to rejoice and be exceeding glad. So dear friend, I want to encourage you. Don't remain silent. Speak. Speak the truth. Speak about biblical justice. Speak out for what is right. Speak out for what is godly. And understand that persecution will come. But when that persecution comes, do not let it silence you. But simply rejoice and be exceeding glad that God has blessed you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Text Driven Podcast. For more resources like this one, go to our website, www.fellowshipchurch.co. And if you're ever in the Southwest Florida area, I'd love to invite you to come and be with us at Fellowship Church and worship with us on the Lord's Day. You can find our times and locations on our website. And I'd love to be able to uh, extend a hand of greeting to you on a Sunday as you come and worship with us. And then finally, let me extend a special invitation to you to be with us for our Great Commission weekend. On February 24th through the 26th of 2023, at our Immokalee campus, we're going to have a, a great conference of preaching and fellowship as we're going to be equipped and encouraged to be about knowing God and making Him known. Until next time, please know we're praying for you, and God bless, and I hope to see you soon. Have a great day.